How to have success. Matthew chapter 5, verse 19. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, a lamp unto a feet, a light upon our path. Move in power, I pray tonight. Touch all of my friends, God, and sulfur. May it be a personal word to each and every one of them. To all of us here gathered. Lord, move in power. Would you ask and invite God to speak to you tonight? Come on, just lift your voice and pray that God would speak to your heart. If you have the freedom to pray with your spirit, just go right ahead tonight. Hallelujah. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Having a biblical perspective of success. An introduction as we move in. God wants everybody here to be great in His kingdom. Come on, everybody say it with me. It might run against the grain for you. But we're going to tear down some strongholds tonight. We're going to help you really understand what success is. Truly what it is from the Word of God. Break off some discouragement. Many of you are going through discouragement tonight because you do not understand what real success is. And we're going to realign ourselves with what the truth is. How many of you know if you're going a certain direction or believing a way that is not in agreement with what the truth is, you ought to change your mind. You ought to change direction if you're headed somewhere that's not in alignment, not in agreement with what God's Word says. So having a biblical perspective of success, first of all, God wants every one of us to be great. It's within your reach. All of us really, a DNA from God, a spiritual DNA, is that you all, all of us, desire to be great. Now that great thing might be aligned with a worldly pattern to it and not a biblical one. And I want to correct that tonight. There's much confusion and pain and disillusionment because many people don't understand what real success is. They don't understand God's definition of it. We need a biblical definition. Our, our humanistic culture defines success in terms of receiving recognition from people. Our human culture, our humanistic culture defines success as having lots of money. Our humanistic culture has put a, a, an overlay of, of a, a Babylonian belief system to think that it's, it's impact, it's influence, it's all of that stuff. And I will tell you, that is not God's definition of what success is. And I personally have experienced pain and disillusionment because I have not really been aligned at times in my life with what God really says is important. That's not the biblical definition of success. Being in a position of influence with great finances. God advises us to greatness without regard to our outward achievement. Greatness is separate from outward achievement. Size of your ministry, size of your church, how much money you have in the bank. Greatness is separate from all of that. Some, some of you are like, because I'm totally broke and i got no idea where I'm going. So I'm really glad that it's... Come on, somebody say hallelujah. 
we're to focus on being great in His sight rather than the sight of man. The sight of man basically defines success as having influence, recognition, popularity, fame maybe, finances, impact. It's based on our heart responses, not on natural giving, not, not on natural giftings or resources. But let me say this to you. God gave each person an assignment, if you look at the sea, that will lead to our greatness. You see, greatness is fulfilling the assignment that God has given you. Greatness is fulfilling the, the assignment that God has for each and every one of you. And in the same way that you, we all have uh, different fingerprints, every one of us have a different varying assignment. And as we're faithful... We'll receive a reward. 1 Corinthians 3.14 If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he'll receive a reward. God's assignment for you are based on the capacities that He's given each of us. Physical. Some, look, some of you are smarter than other people. Hello? Some people have a greater intellect than others. Well, there's not much you can do about that. I mean, you can, you can study. You can... You know, I'm... There's certain limitations. Now, some would say that there aren't, but I believe that God gives a giftings to different ones so that we can fulfill our assignment. And if you're trying to align yourself or compare yourself with somebody who's brilliant, but you're just like me, an average Joe, well, that's going to be a little difficult. I mean, you're going to feel like you got left out. Our assignment's based on our capacities, physically, emotionally even financially. Now, I know that we can expand in those areas, and so we should. You shouldn't just go, well, this is what I've been dealt, and I guess that's it. No, you can grow. You can mature. How many of you are thankful? I'm thankful that I'm not as foolish as I used to be. <laughs> yeah, Lord, get rid of the rest of the fool that I might have. The definition of great and successful life is found in Matthew 25, and I want you to turn there. Matthew 25. And it's found in verse 21, which is, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Greatness is found in hearing, Well done, faithful, good and faithful servant. That's what it's found in. And if you're, if you're aligning yourself with the humanistic culture, the, 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 the worship of mammon, where you've not been successful unless you have a lot of money, you have absolutely missed the mark on what God says is successful. I'm telling you, there's people that are making tons of money right now, but that wasn't the will of God for them. The will of God for them might have been different than that. And, and yet they're pouring themselves into developing great resources. Look, you can develop great resources and give it to the kingdom, be a tither and be a giver, and miss the mark on what God called you to do. That can, of course, include that, but if you make your life about that because your identity is all tied up in being successful, then you can actually miss what your real divine assignment is. Come on, somebody say, i got a divine assignment. How to be successful? Fulfill your divine assignment. That's what it is. To the end, you hear a good and faithful servant. 
good. Let's talk about being good. Good points to goals or motives, which are things which are done. It, it's, 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 it's about having a love for God and a love for people, if we could just put it simply. To be good. Well done. Good. To be good. To be righteous. To be pure-hearted. To do things with the right motivation. Reduced and simplified, it's obeying the first commandment. What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What's the second greatest one? To love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. To be good is to basically do those two things. Nowhere in all of Scripture, listen to me. If you can get this message down in your spirit, you might have to look at these notes like ten times. Maybe listen to the message. Pound it into your heart. Nowhere in Scripture does it ever talk about having great influence is, is the definition of success. Nowhere in Scripture does it talk about having great wealth as a definition of success. Nowhere in all of Holy Writ is it defined by what generally most of you are defining your success about. Most of you, I'd say. Most of the body of Christ is confused on what real success is. And so as a result, we're disillusioned. And we get discouraged because our churches aren't thousands of people. Or I'm just putting it in a ministry, you know, a ministry file there for me. Or your minister or your, your, your job is, you know, you're not the owner of your own business yet. And, and you thought that you would be there when you're 20. When you're 30, you're thinking maybe you're a late bloomer. And then when you're 40 and this big thing hasn't happened, you're thinking there's something wrong with you. And maybe there is. No, we can, we can, you know, that's another sub, sub point. Heard people say it's all good, it's all good. No, it isn't. The only thing you can say it's all good about is the Word of God. So definition of, of great and successful life is found in Matthew 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. It'll make you ruler over many things. Good. Points to, points to fulfilling the great commandment. The greatest commandment. Being faithful. Being faithful is being diligent, hardworking. Doing what God says you should do. Doing what you've been asked to do. In the Word, but not only in the Word, by, by those you're submitted to in leadership. Being faithful. Showing up on time. Staying to the job is done. God rewards faithfulness. And in the end, you want to hear good. Your, 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 motives, are, your motives are pure. Your heart is right. Your intentions are aligned. Faithful. You want to be faithful with your talents, faithful with your giftings, faithful. Come on, somebody say, I want to be faithful. Following through on our intentions. Not enough just to, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You ever heard that expression? Yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't mean to. I remember getting in trouble years ago. I was working for a, a man who had a, a large estate in Maui. And uh, he hired me full-time as his professional painter. It was actually the last job I had before I went into full-time ministry. Paid me really well. And, and I would paint, along with a crew, paint one of his houses, outside and inside. When we were done, we'd move to the next house. Outside and inside, when we were done with that, we moved down to the shed. His shed is nicer than any house I've ever seen here in Alaska. I'm just telling you, it's amazing. You know, his shed was like... Whoa! He stored equipment in his, in the shed. The guest house was amazing, and his house was just wow. And when we were done with all three, we'd go back, change the colors, and do go the first one again. And that's the, that's what I did. 
for, I don't know, two years or something, paint one house inside, outside, move to the second one, inside, outside, move to the third one, inside, outside, come back, prep, do it all over again. He just had continual painting going on. And uh, he had... He had Ming vases and, you know, I mean, amazing artifacts in his house. And he had this rule that I was one of the guys that had to move the inside things around. And he pointed his finger at me. He was about 70 years old. And he pointed his finger at me and said, You move something one time and you carry one thing. Say it. One time, one thing. That's right. Say it again. I move one thing, one time. Right. So that means don't carry two things. Just one. That means even though you'd have... No, literally, even though you would have two little artifacts and you could pick two up like this and walk away, that you would be in such serious trouble if you did that. You had to do this. And you would walk and you would move it to the exact location that it was supposed to be one time. Put it down, walk away, and literally you're carrying some of those things were worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, paintings, all kinds of stuff. And so we would move it. I remember this one guy, he really shouldn't have been in there. You know, he was a little clumsy. He didn't really understand the value of things. And like he carried two things and broke one. And when he broke one, the guy, you know, the guy said, I told you one thing, one time. Now, two things. How come you carry two things? He said, well, I forgot. I, I didn't mean to, the guy says. The worker. The, the, the guy that was, that was paying us. The guy that owned all this stuff said, yeah, well, you didn't mean not to. I thought, what an interesting way to put it. You didn't mean not to. In other words, he didn't, he didn't do the very things that caused that intention to follow through. Listen, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You have to follow through on your good intentions. You can just hope that it's going to be good. You've got to take the action to do it. You've got to be faithful. What do you say? I'm going to be faithful. You've got to be faithful. Our best faithfulness is flawed, but He can help us. The third thing is to be a servant. Servant refers to a willingness to die. <laughs> I love that. For all of you married people, recipe to a good marriage, die. Boy. Man, die to yourself. Woo! Bring it on! Yeah! I can feel the Holy Ghost now. Pick up your cross and die. Success is defined in the Word of God by being good, by being faithful, and by being a servant, being a humble, denying your personal honor, denying your agenda. You know, many times I've had an agenda that was not his. And one of the stumbling blocks to greatness or being great in God's kingdom is that is the pathway to to the pathway to greatness, if you will, being good, faithful, and a servant, is often very difficult. I say it this way men and women of God are made in the fire. You don't like it? That's the way it rolls. In our church, I remember hearing Pastor Gannon say this. Well, we have kind of a Nebuchadnezzar school of ministry philosophy. What do you mean by that? Well, 
you get put in positions that are really challenging. And if the fourth man shows up in that furnace, we know that you're anointed and called. <laughs> yeah, I can laugh now. Jesus. Many times God, I will say almost always, your job, your role is small, difficult, and insignificant. Now watch this. I used to say to the Lord, you know, a church of 50 people or something, and just be like, I know He's going to bring thousands. Hallelujah. I'm still saying the same thing, and I still believe that. Now, the, the, the difference now is that my heart is not so connected to the fact that if we don't have thousands of people, it doesn't mean that I'm not successful. You've got to realign your life with what real success is. Nothing to do with money. Nothing to do with influence. Nothing to do with fame or fortune. Nothing to do with ministry impact. Has nothing to do with any of that. Has everything to do with being good. Having a heart that's pure. Focused on becoming like Christ. Focused on being like Jesus. Focused on that. Being faithful with what God's called you to be. What has God's called you to? Given your talents. Come on, some of you have more talents than other people. Some of you have less. But the person who has less, in our culture, we basically look at that person and go, well, yeah, yeah, you know, hey, yeah, well, we don't pray for them. But the truth is, is that when talents are passed out, God didn't give it because you've done something wrong or, you know, I think there can be influence of generational sin and iniquity and things like that and consequences, but God knows your frame. God knows what you can do. God knows what you can't do. He knows you and He challenges you. And if you have one talent, be good and faithful and be a servant with that thing. And when you get to the great and dreadful day of the Lord and you stand before His throne, is anybody hearing me tonight? And you stand before His throne, you actually might get more reward than the guy who had ten talents but wasn't faithful, wasn't good, wasn't a servant. And you actually get greater reward in the kingdom of heaven because you are faithful with your one little talent. And you work that thing. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, for me, I've, I, you know, I've, got my, my, I've got my little talents, and I've looked at people with, you know, big bucket loads of talent, and I'm just going, you know, God, you kind of ripped me off. Am I the only one that's ever thought that? I look and I say, why can't I preach like T.D. Jakes? Why can't, you know, and my, it's broken off of me now. You know, praise God for T.D. Jakes. If I was supposed to preach like him, I would be. I even tried... I even tried to, I mean, I tried it all. I tried to walk like him. I, I tried some stuff. I tried to do the Dr. Moronko. I, I tried some of these things. I tried to preach like him. Actually, I, I, I kind of preach like Dr. Moronko because he's, I've been listening and getting discipled for him. But I don't know. Yeah, almost 20 years, 16, 17 years or something. The point is this. If you were supposed to be like somebody else, you would. You were a divine original, and you're on purpose. God has given you the talents. You have quick belly aching. Be faithful. Be good. Be faithful. And be a servant. And when you stand before His throne, you will not be judged on T.D. Jake's scale. 
You'll not be judged on my scale. You'll not be judged on anybody else's scale, but but how good and faithful and and a servant you were with what God gave you. And sometimes we're so comparing ourselves with people that we get disillusioned, we get discouraged, and we lose out on what the whole point is. Come on, somebody, give me an amen. This is a good word. You need to be set free from a worldly mindset. Western cultures invaded the church. And we've got people that are walking around discouraged, hope deferred, because their hope is they'd have this massive church or this massive business or this unbelievable thing that would just change the earth. Very few people, 99.9% of the body of Christ just have a little job to do. 99.9% 99.9% of the body of Christ will, will minister to basically under 10,000 people. There are few people like the Billy Grahams, like the different ones will have worldwide impact and influence. And listen, I don't think Billy Graham, you know, I mean, I didn't read his book. I probably should, but I, I don't think his goal was worldwide impact and influence. His goal is souls. His goal, I just, you know, he's a soul winner. And the breadth of that thing, you leave the breadth and the width the height, the depth, leave it to God. Just be good, faithful, be a servant. Somebody say, I'm going to do it. So you've got to continually realign ourselves with these virtues. Fill in the blank. F. You've got to continually realign yourselves with these virtues. This is what real success is. But our brains are so wired to have it the other way. And you will find yourself all of a sudden, man, if this is it, I think I've been driven by the world's virtues and not the kingdom's virtues. Okay, am I the only one? All right, nobody else is going to raise their hand. All right, praise God. I know, I know over in Sulphur, you're all like, oh, yes. Come on. Amen. Come on. You gotta, everybody say, I'm going to realign myself with these virtues. Greatness on God's terms defined by Jesus. You've got to seek after Him. And it comes in an environment of small and difficult. Listen, this will help you. It comes in an environment of small and difficult. And when it's small and difficult, if you can be good and be faithful and be a servant in small and difficult, then He gives you more. And if you can't be good and faithful with little... He will not make you ruler over much. And frankly, I think ruler over much is referring to the age that is yet to come as well. I used to think, you know, man, can't you just... I could stay humble. Just give me a church of 10,000 people, you know. I'll be able to be humble. I can do it. You know, just hook me up with tons of money... Big men, worldwide ministry impact. I can stay humble. I can do it, God. You can trust me. That might happen. That might not happen. I don't know. But our goal. But can I tell you something? Our goal is, and my our ultimate goal is not to build a twenty four seven place that prays, a church that never closes, a church, a, a praying church. That's not our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is not even to reach all the lost of Wasilla. You guys are looking at me like you, like I'm her, her, preaching heresy or something. Our ultimate goal is not is not success, certainly by the world standards. Our ultimate goal is to hear this: Well done, 
good, faithful servant. Our ultimate goal is Jesus. Being like Him, being close to Him, being next to Him, and pleasing Him above all else. Now, out of that, all this other stuff works, yes, in the will of God as He directs us. But if you make, you know, having a big business or a big worldwide impact as your goal, then you have an idol. That is great. Crack! That's a home run right there. I'm going to amen myself. Amen. That's good. If you have an idol before God, look, you're supposed to be every touch you've ever gotten. The Spirit of God moving in your life. Every rhema word He ever spoke to you was all about you becoming like Him. That's what it's all about. It's all about that. And He is the ultimate good, faithful servant. He did it for us so that we can do it with His strength and His anointing by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Lord's been working on this with me. In this parable here in Matthew 25, Jesus corrects the idea that our work matters only if it impacts lots of people. Verse 21, Matthew 25. Go ahead, look there. You were faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Luke 19, verse 17. Well done. You were faithful in very little. Have authority over ten cities. I do believe that According to the Word of God and prophecy, that believers will have a role in the age that's yet to come. Judge nations and stuff. I mean, wow. Kind of amazing. Few things refers to the, the perfect will of God in a small assignment from Him. Some of you have a small assignment, but it's super significant. It makes every hour of your life worth it if you understand what God's doing. He's to molding you and making you so that your assignment can be complete. I've wanted the big thing, the big Mac Daddy bonus home run, World Series, you know, world champion, want the ring. Uh, Am I the only one that's been ambitious? I've had ambition, and I'm going to tell you from from the Lord, worldly ambition is not from God. The Lord's dealt with this within me in the past few weeks. But it go to Washington. Whoa! Can I lead Obama to Christ? Or get him filled with the Holy Spirit? Lead him through some deliverance ministry. God bless our president. God bless President Obama and his wife and his family in Jesus' name. But we have these few things. You've got to be faithful with what God's given. Faithful in your marriage. You need to be faithful to your wife, faithful to your husband. You need to be faithful in raising your kids. You need to be faithful to read the Word. You need to be faithful to come to church. I'm telling you, we we need help with children's ministry. I'm just telling you. We are. We need help. Can I tell you where my wife should be? Right where she is. You know where I'd like her? Let me say it that way. She should be where she is because we need help with children's ministry. But the best place for her in the church is 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 in ministry with me together, ministering to the church uh, that comes on a Sunday morning so people can connect with her. But because of, uh, you know, some dry season with raising up children's workers, my wife has to be upstairs. 
I don't think that's the perfect will of God. I think she's filling in because some, you know, I know all of you are super obedient, faithful, and good. I know that. And I'm saying that there must be some people out there that have been a little bit disobedient where God has spoken to them to be part of the children's ministry. And, and you've said, like, well, I, I just don't want to deal with that. i got enough of the kids thing. You know, and some people shouldn't be in children's ministry, but I'm convinced that there's some people out there that should be, and they're not. Well, what happens then? Then, it, you know, it, we all have to compensate. God, God, help us. You know, Lord, forgive me for doing things that, that people had to compensate for me. But we're supposed to be faithful in the few things. Everybody say the few things. You might have a minimum wage job. You might not have a job at all. You might be on food stamps and welfare. You know, the point is, don't stay there. Believe God. Work hard. Be diligent. Be good. Be faithful. Be a servant. Be humble. And God will elevate you. I've never, I've, I mean, I've never seen anywhere where, God's been, where somebody's been good, and it's your choice. Sometimes we wait for God to do it. Come on, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Sometimes we wait for God just to come through and make us something. Look, you have to choose to read your Bible. You have to choose to pray. You have to choose to get saved. You have to make a choice. You have to make a decision in your heart. You have to choose to be good and faithful and a servant with the few things that God's given you. Can you say amen? It's not a penalty. You're not being disciplined for having the few things. You're growing in character. I used to think, man, I, I remember I was, I, I thought for sure it was supposed to be the youth guy, the new youth pastor. It didn't happen. And I thought for sure God was punishing me. Little did I know he saved me again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Like I said, 99.9% of the body of Christ is a small individual assignment. But listen. When we all pull together in our small individual assignment, we will have a massive impact. We will have a massive impact if we all pull together and do what God's called us to. Oh, corporately working together will have a huge impact in this generation. Many things. So we're at F. We must continually align ourselves with these virtues. Few things in the few things in the many things. There's, there's coming greater assignments to those who are able to handle it. It goes on in chapter 25 of Matthew, verse 21, that who will make you a ruler. This is an essential component, really, because 500 years from now, listen to me, 500 years from now, you're still going to be alive. I know that that, that might be a shocker to you, but this tent that you're in, the Apostle Paul said, we're just... Strangers passing through. This, this life is but a vapor. So 500 years from now, you will be alive and you will be hopefully in heaven if you've received Jesus and you'll receive rewards. And the reward, I think, is being pr- closer proximity to the throne, closer proximity to the Lord. And then some will suffer loss, it says. I don't know how that is. There's no more tears and you're in heaven but there's rewards given in heaven. This is a biblical concept. And we'll reign with Jesus in the age to come. And I'm just going to spit a bunch of scriptures out to you for all of you note takers who think I'm heretical right now. Revelation chapter 2 verse 26. I'll read this. He who keeps my works to the end. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. To him I will give power over the nations. Revelation chapter 2 verse 26. 
Here's a bunch of other scriptures. Revelation 3.21. Revelation 5.10. Revelation 20. 4 through 6. Matthew 19.28. Matthew 20. 21 through 23. Luke 19, 17 through 19. Get the tape, get the CD. Luke 22, 29 through 30. 1 Corinthians 6, 2 through 3. 2 Timothy 2, 12. Romans 8, 17. You see, what you're doing now, being good and being faithful and being a servant, it isn't even about this life. It's about the age to come. We're so focused on on right now and being blessed right now and having success right now and being looking good and impact and money and fame and fortune and all of that wonderful stuff. It's not from God. It's a it's a mammon Babylonian mindset. It's Babylon. By the rivers of Babylon where we let down Some of you need to rearrange your, your mental furniture tonight. I've totally ticked you off. I see some other people are being liberated because you realize, whoo, I'm 50. I really, you know, I, my retirement all set, but I, I, I'm, I'm working on this good and faithful servant thing. By the rivers of Babylon. And there we wept when we remembered Zion. The Father we got. Sorry. All right. All right. Let's get back to it. Let's get. Let's get back to our text. Thank you, Jesus. Talks about entering into the joy. They'll have great joy. We will have great joys. We're good and faithful. We align ourselves with these virtues. We'll have great joy. Matthew 25, verse 21. Make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You thought you had joy now? <laughs> you think you got joy now? How many of you got joy? You got joy. Yeah, you got joy now? You think you got it now? Holy cow. Oh, I should say, holy smokes. That's better. There'll be some holy smoke up there, I'm sure. Can you imagine the joy that you're going to experience when you enter into the reward because you've been faithful because you've been good because you've been a servant you live for this world and the reward that you get here and you just might find yourself on the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth align yourself with what god's purpose is align yourself with what real success is it is not ministry impact or a big job or worldwide domination and you becoming the king tell you, we don't want to be the king. You want to serve the king. His name is Jesus. He said, what, 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 what about world peace? We're going to have world peace. I'm going to tell you how world peace will come. How many of you know how, how world peace comes? According to the Word of God. You want to know how world peace comes? Jesus comes, destroys all His enemies, and there's world peace. And said, woo! It's the Word of God plan. And it's a scary thing when you begin to realize that there is a, a great assignment to unite one faith. You start seeing things like the uniting of the faith. 
Muslims holding hands with Christians, holding hands with Jews, and everybody just rejoicing that we're going to contend for, the, for, for peace. It is a setup. It's a setup for, the Bab- for what's called harlot Babylon, a one-world religion. And I'm going to tell you, we're, we're headed that way. I don't want to get all, like, freak you out a little bit, but I've been focusing and starting to read and meditate on the, the end things. And it's just a little, a little terrifying. You know, we just want to know so that, you know, we don't join in. All right. In the name of unity. We just want to be unified. Yeah, yeah. Love people. Hate their sin. Allah is not our Heavenly Father. I'm just telling you, different God. Our God is very different. I got one amen over here. Give me another amen. And amen. Two amen. So two, three, four, five. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody put your hands together for Jesus. All right. Let's hurry up. Hurry up. Anyway, understanding this uh, helps you, the revelation of how to have real success, being good and faithful and being a servant with few things and few and difficult and small, makes every single five minutes of your life important. Keeping your heart aligned with what God wants you to be aligned with. All right, so there's an importance in having right expectations in the realm of, of greatness in God. Because if you don't have it aligned right, then you'll get disillusioned, you'll get offended. People get discouraged if they have a wrong perspective. Look at Roman numeral 2a. People get discouraged if they have a wrong perspective on what they're supposed to be doing. And like I said, you know, in your 20s, many, many believers, you know, in their 20s, you're motivated by bigness, being something great. All of you in your 20s, listen to me. Listen to me. Zach Haggerty, listen. You're 20, I think, still. In our 20s... You know, we, we just are motivated by doing this great thing, having this big ministry impact. And then many times that 20, the, the, the believer in his 20s gets into his 30s. And he said, well, it hasn't happened as fast as I would have hoped, but it's still coming. Shaka Bahaya, Shandai, Shuba, Bam Bam. Amen. It's coming. Did you know the first cartoon character that prayed in tongues was Fred Flintstone? Yabba Dabba Doo. Did you know that? All right. In your 30s, you think, well, it didn't happen as fast as I thought. Then in your 40s, you start getting tweaked. And you get to your 40, 45, and go off weird and commit adultery or something because you feel like a total failure. I am preaching better than you're amening. I'm telling you, this is what's happened for many people. So they get in their 40s, they get 45, almost 50, and they're going, you know, I, I, I have I've hardly done anything. Well, the question is, have you been good, faithful, and a servant? And if the answer is yes, then start rejoicing because you're right on track. Now, if the answer is no, you've sowed yourself into this, this harlot Babylon type system. Actually, harlot Babylon is a one world religion. But, it, but the, the, the whole culture of, of mammon. If you've sowed yourself into that and you're 50, wake up and correct it now. Everybody said... Amen. All right, I'm almost done. Successful life. Some key areas to focus on. Focus on the size of your heart for God. Wow. Focus on the size of your heart for God. Your heart responses. Be focused on that. Not size of what you do or how much money. Focus on how much you can love God. Focus on that. Try that. Focus on doing good. Fulfilling the, the, the great, walking out the great commandment. 
to love God and to, and to be a lover of God and be a deliverer of men. Focus on that. On doing good. A heart connection with God. Develop a vibrant, intimate walk with Jesus. Develop a vibrant, intimate walk with Jesus. Develop on building godly relationships. This is one and two. The first one is heart connection with God. Right there in your notes. Be one. A heart connection with God. Work on that. If you're afraid of Him, something's wrong. If you don't enjoy prayer and it doesn't bring you joy, something's wrong. You don't like going to church, something's wrong. Build an intimate walk with Jesus, number one. I mean, you've got to have that. Build godly relationships. There is a principle called relational wealth. Relational wealth. You need to have it. Relationships. Build them. Seek to develop deep, intimate relationships. And what I mean by intimate, I mean the ability to talk with somebody. The deep things of your heart. The things that trouble you. Or the things that bring you joy. You've got to find somebody to connect with. Look, you can't just disciple somebody who never connects, who never, who's never transparent. You know, one of the things, I, I'll just, I don't know how it happened for me. I think partly because of desperation and then, of course, the grace of God big time. But for me, one of the things that God helped my wife and I with is that we, 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 we were very transparent, almost to the point of embarrassment. Now, I learned to be transparent now with people that can handle it. Not that there's, I don't have a whole bunch of stuff to share now. You know, God's helped me and He'll help me some more. But if I ever get weird or something happens, I'm telling. You know why? I'm never going to commit adultery. If I start getting weird, I've got friends around me and stinking backhand me so fast. My wife would be the first one. That's right. And I realize that anybody can fall. Anybody, anybody can. And the second you start thinking, oh, that's never me. Ah, I'm not going to do that. I'm close with Jesus. You already did, you prideful knucklehead, you. So one of the things that God's helped us with in our walk with the Lord, and I want you to get this part of the discipleship. You must be transparent. You've got to share what's going on with you, with somebody, not with the whole church, not with Sister Bucket Mouth or Brother Backstabber. Stay away from them. You need to find somebody that is really walking it out. You can see it in their daily life. You can see it in their kids. They're faithful in church. You can tell. They got joy. They're, they're people of prayer. They, when they pray, you hear the word. I mean, there's character and you can see it. And you, you don't just pick somebody right off the bat. So by God's grace, we've been able to be transparent and broken. And as a result, those trans, the enemy operates in darkness. He's parasitical by nature. You know what a parasite is? He's like a lice. You ever had lice? No, don't admit it. No, no, I've never had lice. Never had it. Never had lice. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Hurt is terrible. Yep, lice are parasites. And they have to have a host. Now the way the enemy operates is by you allowing him to, to, to dwell with you. To abide with you. You start thinking weird. You start having lustful thoughts. You start getting tweaked on the internet. You start getting a little bit too affectionate with the secretary or with your boss or whatever the case may be. You need to rat yourself out. If you start thinking in a way that's, 
you know, prideful. You know, pride's terrible. It's like bad breath. You're usually the last one to know you have it. I've got some tough friends that'll tell me what's up. And I've had them, I've had them do it. And then I've had them do it even when they were incorrect. But I love them for the fact that they were bold enough to say something to me. You've got to develop not only a heart connection with God, but make it your number one thing. Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And number two, you've got to develop godly relationships. And you need to cultivate them. And you need to build them. Proverbs 18.24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. (laughs) You've got to cultivate godly relationships. And be faithful in our assignment, committing to being faithful and diligent in your life assignment. That includes preparation. That includes developing your skills. It includes reading. It includes perhaps writing. It includes discipling yourself and resourcing yourself. Stop being a slug. Don't be lazy. If you're lazy, you're not going to hear good, well done, faithful. That's part of faithful. It's being diligent, being hardworking. Develop humility. I'm almost done. Micah, would you come? Philippians chapter 2. It says, In lowliness of mind, verse 3, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. That's a servant spirit. When's the last time you held the door open for somebody? When's the last time you went out of your way to help someone? It's a rhetorical question. Just ask yourself. When's the last time you blushed? Hmm. When's the last time you blushed? What are you saying? How's the innocence of your heart? You know, when you live holy and you walk holy, you have things happen that just can embarrass you and make a reference to something. Or are you shocked by, by things? I mean, how's your holiness level? Ask yourself these questions. You know, we had a revelation the other night. We were home and... We have, at times in our life, rapidly cut things off. At other times, there's been a drawing, uh, slowly by the Spirit of God, away from things. And I, I know what's happened for us. And I, I realized it last night. What's happening for me is that we're spending more and more time with God. Less and less with the temporal things. And we had a, you know, we wanted to watch a video. And part of us, you know, we wanted to watch a video as a family. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that unless, of course, there's something wrong with the video. The video we were going to watch, pretty harmless as far as the world standards are concerned. But I've watched it before and I started thinking about that movie. And I started realizing that movie is going to be not glorifying God in the way that I want it. And I realized... I need to go through, we need to go through all our movies. It's time to throw out a whole bunch more. I'm talking about Spider-Man, okay? Spider-Man. That's the movie. It's got some lust. It's got some stuff in there. Well, you're getting a little controlling and weird. No, I'm not. You do whatever God would have you do. For me, I feel like he's saying, son, 
come away with me. Come up here. I want to show you things. And you're going to need to leave some of that stuff behind. And the amusement factor, ah, amusement. Ah is negative. Amusement. It, it really basically means to not think. That's what amusement means. To turn your, to not think. Not, not being meditative in a good way. And so the amusement thing is starting to fade away. And I'm starting to realize that there's more joy and strength that can be released in my life if I spend time with Jesus. And so we've started to do that more and more. I'm hooked. I don't ever want to go back. I don't ever want to go back to being entertained by some polluted movie so I could see some guy in a red suit swing on a string. Give me a break. Doing the will of God involves denying your own agenda. The God who orchestrated the crucifixion has orchestrated yours so that He could have a resurrection. What are you talking about? There is another place in God. There's another place in God that you cannot go to unless you push aside the things of time and tradition. Push aside the things of the worldly definition of what success is. There's another place in God that you can only go to when you embrace the cross and the resurrection power of the Lord. And He'll share His glory with no man. And there is a place in God that you and I can go. There's a place in God that you and I can go to find strength and grace to be good. Divine grace and strength to be faithful. Get up in the morning when you don't feel like it. To work hard. To crucify your, your sinful nature. Put it to death. Reckon yourselves. Therefore, dead, but alive unto Christ. Jesus didn't come just to give you a life of comfort. He came, He died on a cruel Roman cross and rose again from the grave. As too many have believed in Him, He gave them the right to become children of God. And He did that not so that you could have money, and not so that you could have fame, and not so that you could have ministry impact and success in your life, in that definition. He did it so that you could be His son and be His daughter, and then He's left you here to train you for the age that is yet to come. So ask yourself tonight, Have you been disillusioned by what the definition of success is? The definition of success is in the end, when you stand before Him, He says, well done, good and faithful servant. I'll make you ruler over nations. Come now, enter into the joy of the Lord. That's success. That's what I want. I want that. As far as impact and Thousands and people and influence. Don't be enamored by that. Those people that blow their brains out that have that. Hello. Don't be enamored by any of that stuff. Be enamored by Jesus. To gaze upon His beauty. To inquire of the Lord. To gaze on Him. To walk with Him. To talk with Him. To allow His power to flow through you. Leave the impact to Him. Amen. Go deep in 
God. Go deep in God. Go deep. You'll never be. You will never, ever be dissatisfied in Him. At His right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. You'll never regret going deep in God. Stand up on your feet and just worship Him. Oh, Jesus, King of Kings, Jesus, Lord of Lords, Jesus. I want to be good. I want to be faithful. I want to be a servant. Align my heart, Jesus. I repent for my worldly attitude, Jesus. Align our hearts tonight, align our hearts tonight, align our hearts, Lord. Align my heart, align my heart with your will and your word. Align my heart, align my heart with your will and your word, I pray. If you've been discouraged, hope deferred, and you've realized tonight that it's been because you've been aligned with a worldly mindset, repent and let new hope fill you tonight. Repent. Ask God to forgive you for for trying to agree with the world's system. It's not His system. Align my heart, align my heart with Your will and Your word. Align my heart, align my heart with Your will and Your word. Align my heart, align my heart with Your will and Your word, I pray. I pray, align, align my heart, align my heart with your will and your word. Align my heart, align my heart, your will and your word. Align my heart, align my heart, your will and your word, I Fix my mind on you. Change my mind from worldly mindsets. All I want to do, your will. 
shift, change, tear down every stronghold, every lie, every high and lofty thought, raise up the knowledge of God. We tear down tonight. We take captive every thought. Every high and lofty thought that's raised up against the knowledge of God. We tear it down. What is real success? How to be successful? Be good, be faithful, be a servant. Be good, be faithful, be a servant. Real success is on that great day, standing before the King of Kings, on judgment, and hear Him say, Well done, good, faithful servant. Align your heart with those virtues, and you will have success. That's what it is. Can you say amen? If the Spirit of God is on you and you realize that the Lord is doing something profound in you, in your heart tonight, I want to agree with you in prayer. I want to open up this message spoke to you in some capacity. You, you want prayer, please come right now. Just come right to the front. We want to lay hands on you and pray for you. Just come. You know what? We just have an old, good old-fashioned altar, man. Just come and seek Him. Seek Him. Align my heart, align my heart with Your, Your Word. Align my heart, align my heart, Your will and Your Word. Align my heart, align my heart, Your will and Your Word, I pray. Align my heart, align my heart with your word. Align my heart with your will and your word. Align my heart, align my heart with your will and your word. I pray, I pray, I pray. your people right now. Touch the group gathered in sulfur. Jesus. Come on, Micah.
Just talk to Him, whether you're up here or in the congregation or online. Just talk to Him. Let your heart just talk to God about different things. I sense tonight it's a, it's a breakthrough for some. It's a breakthrough. You, you mean I don't have to strive for all? You know, you don't. You push. You're diligent to be good. Be diligent. Be good in your motives. Keep your heart. Go deep with God. Be faithful. Work hard. Yes. Leave the results to Him. Be a servant. Be humble. Consider others better than yourselves. That's success. Check that other stuff. It's not from God. If you, Look, the youth, some of us are older just learning this. If you could get this when your cement's still wet, you understand what I mean? You can get this to understand this is success. It's not, it's not any of the other stuff that people tell you. your people. Come on, just worship Him. Come on, worship Him. Worship Him. Worship the Lord. I just want to dance with you, Jesus. I just want to feel you next to me. I just want to stay like this forever, you and me, you and me, just you and me is all I need, just you and me. is almost over. Feel free just to linger. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment.
the Lord shows me a series of circumstances that you're going through or have gone through, could be in the midst of, but those very circumstances are causing you to question not your faith, but to take a deeper look at things that are happening and choices and decisions. And in your time of prayer and even through some dreams, God is realigning you and your family. God is realigning you. And there are some tremendous purposes and things that God has for you, even in the days that are yet ahead. There's a sense of, uh, of discouragement at times, and the enemies come to pierce you through, even in your emotions. But the Lord sees you, and He knows your frame. And as you seek Him, and as you realign some things and change some things, there is going to bring you into a new place of intimacy with Him and a new joy. There's been a sense of discouragement, like I said, but there's coming a wave of joy that's going to overwhelm you in your household. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious, says the Lord. It's going to be glorious. So look with expectancy. As one would look for the sun to rise, so look with an expectant, faith-filled heart and watch. The sun is rising. The weeping may endure for a night. Joy comes in the morning. The sun is rising. As you look, it's, it's, it's Jesus is rising over you as a mighty man of war. And He's going to take on some of the things that you've been trying to handle even in your own strength. It's going to be great. It's going to be glorious. Joy, hope, strength, I pray. That word encourage you. It's not for naught. This future generation, even that one that you hold in your hands, in your arms tonight. It's about them. It's about the, the next generation. It's about the Lord, of course. But giving them a firm foundation. Be encouraged. God knows your frame. Don't be discouraged. God's strengthening you even tonight. Receive strength. Receive strength. Right now. That's it. Hallelujah. Did you get something from the Lord tonight? I did too. I'm still drilling this into me. I find that old default setting wants to creep itself up every so often. You know what a default is? It's the font that your computer program goes to even though you change it all the time. We have a default setting that... that can sometimes be aligned not with the will, Word of God. It can be aligned with the will, the, the, the world. We need, to, we need to change that default. Sometimes you really got to pound these things into your spirit. Go over this message. Over it and over it. Remind yourself of what the truth is, what true success is. It's being good, motives, pure heart, loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, loving people, being good, being faithful, being diligent with the gifts, the talents that He's given you, not somebody else, not comparing yourself with somebody else, being faithful, working hard, resourcing yourself, learning, growing, all of those things, showing up on time, being faithful, faithful to His Word, being a servant. Serve. The greatest among you is the servant of all. You want to be great? Serve. Have a humble servant's heart. Amen? Hallelujah. 
Take someone's hand, won't you? And we'll, we'll close. Actually, you know what? Wait, 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 wait. Let's not do it that way. I bless you. Feel free to go. Feel free to stay. I don't want to interrupt what God is doing. You don't need to get up. You don't need to change your posture. Be blessed. We'll hope to see you Tuesday night. You can just slip out if you're being ministered to on the floor here or in your chairs, whatever your seat. You just stay right where you are. No need to move around. It's all right. We love you. Praise God. Align my heart. Oh, align my heart. Align my heart. Your will and your word. Align my heart. Align my heart. If you're here under the sound of my voice and you're not right with God, if you died tonight, God forbid, do you know for sure whether you would go to heaven? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you haven't, do it. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to come into your life. Make Him your Lord tonight. Yield to Him. Submit to Him and His Lordship. We're so blessed you come. Continue to come. Tuesday night I'll be preaching again. 7.30. Next Sunday morning, Pastor Karen is going to be bringing forth the Word Sunday night. Special presentation on Transformations 2 about how the glory of God invades a culture and brings reformation. Tuesday night will be Mark's Weifel, real good friend of the house. So you don't miss anything that's taking place. All of our prayer times Tuesday through Friday will be soaking prayers uh, starting from Wednesday. Tuesday we'll have uh, worship-led prayer. Wednesday we'll just be soaking prayer Thursday, Friday. And then the following week, the same thing, soaking prayer. We love you. We bless you tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen.